1: As the Orange hold off the defending national champions, they beat Clemson. The Bills make me wanna shout! Ah! McCoy in the backfield takes the handoff, runs up the middle, breaks a tackle.
0: He's inside the 10,
1: cuts to the left, into the end zone! Buffalo wins.
0: Back to full! 97.7, 100.1, ESPN Radio, Utah what's happening in Mohawk Valley? So glad to have you on board. Hope everything is going well. Perhaps you're listening on the ESPN app. That is a beautiful way to stay in touch with the program. It's a way that you should stay in touch with the show if you're like me and you're going on vacation soon but you still want to listen to ESPN Syracuse or ESPN Utica Rome. You're going to be somewhere around the world, but you still want to listen to us. Well, it's easy to do on your ESPN app. Just put the app on your phone, find the listen tab, find ESPN Syracuse or ESPN Radio Utica Rome, and off you go. And we're going with you, baby, except the bathroom. That's kind of gross. I would also remind you that you can listen to this very program or your favorite ESPN radio shows on demand by subscribing to the podcast, and it's very easy to do. iTunes or Google Play, whatever your preferred format is, just subscribe to ESPN Syracuse, and we will send you a podcast version of this program. It's usually about 25, 30 minutes, best of the show. We cut out all the commercials. It's like that great scene from the movie Big when Tom Hanks calls in the secretary and says, hey, can you uh, cut up the Giants-Broncos Super Bowls and cut out all the commercials and, and talk and stuff? Well, we can't cut out the talk and stuff because, well, that's the show. But the podcast is commercial-free, so you can listen to the best of the best every day. So subscribe and listen to your heart's content, baby. Here's how you get in touch with the show because we want to hear from the people. You've got takes. Perhaps they're hot. That's hot. Or not. I don't care. Either way, bring them. 437-7644. That's the phone number. Brent Axe Media on Twitter. The text line is two eight eight zero six four four. That didn't come across the right way. <laughs> I do care about your takes. I just don't care if they're hot or not. I should have clarified that. Do I really care about your takes in general? Well, that's a whole different discussion for a different day. Of course I do. Absolutely. We've got two guests joining us today. We're excited that both of these gentlemen are coming on today. The one and only John JJ, JJWFAN in New York you got another audience with the sports pope yesterday Hanging with Francesa, look, pretty soon J.J.'s going to be too big for us. J.J.'s, I'm sorry, I can't come on your show. I'm doing this, I'm doing that. I'm a big-time New York celebrity. But while he's still a rising star, we will talk to J.J. about what the Yankees are going to do post-All-Star break, what it will take to catch the Red Sox, who have a a four-and-a-half game lead and growing. Will Jacob DeGrom or Noah Syndergaard, or any other names that aren't quite as sexy as those two, but certainly will be in the discussion for the New York Mets. We'll hone in on the world of New York sports with our New York sports correspondent, the one and only John Jastrzemski. Coming up, and we'll do that this hour in about 15 minutes. Later in the show, Stephen Bailey will join us. Syracuse.com, ACC Media Day is getting underway. The Syracuse football depth chart. Came out today, the preseason depth chart. There is a very notable change on that depth chart, which we will get into here momentarily as well. So we'll talk to Stephen Bailey about football. Larry Fedora, the head coach at North Carolina, took his crazy pills this morning. And what he was saying at ACC media days, you know, it was interesting. We were having this discussion the other day, what comes out of these manufactured media days and typically It's the same quotes from the same people. Everybody's great. Everybody's going to win the ACC title this year. Everybody's the healthiest they've ever been. And all the same quotes that you hear year by year. But sometimes somebody goes way off the reservation and says something that gets picked up, particularly in this day and age of media, at a very rapid pace. And you're like, what are you talking about? And that award today goes to Larry Fedora of North Carolina. We'll get into that during Hot Takes Plus. Don't hit send, kids. Twitter history is coming back to haunt all kinds of people. And Josh Hader, Milwaukee Brewers all-star, is the latest example of that. So we'll get to that, plus the big uh, trade between the Raptors and the Spurs. Is Kawhi Leonard even going to play in Toronto? So all that to come. But I do want to start with some Syracuse football, as mentioned. And coaches will be the first to warn you that depth charts are by no means the Bible. It just gives you a sense of where things are and where they could go. I'm not going to spend an entire radio program breaking down a depth chart, as I was requested to on Twitter today, because, well... That's just dumb. It's very dumb to spend an entire radio show on a depth chart. I mean, I love football. I don't love it that much. Even if you love football, you don't love it that much. But it is significant because it shows we're just around the corner from training camp, starting from being knee-deep in some football conversations the biggest change for Syracuse football is one that I, I'm i wondering if it will be a good one. What I'm encouraged by is that this is a coaching staff that is looking at its landscape, it's looking at its talent, it's looking at its available positions, and it's saying this is what's best for us. They are not trying to wedge the proverbial square peg into the proverbial round hole. They are looking at what they have, and they are making an adjustment based on Now, this is not to say that Kylan Whitner, who we talked to on the show on Monday, and you should listen to that interview at ESPNSyracuse.com, Ryan Guthrie, Andrew Armstrong, Shai Cullen, or any of the linebackers on this roster cannot step in and provide the production that Zaire Franklin, Paris Bennett, and Jonathan Thomas did before them. But given the amount of talent and the amount of production that has exited, You look at your roster and you say, what is the best base we can be in? You know, I go back to Doug Marone's last year as head coach here, and they thought they had an offensive philosophy, and they've got a great quarterback in Ryan Nassib. They've got an offense they're comfortable with. They've got, you know, an NFL offensive lineman on that team. They've got Alec Lemon didn't make it in the National Football League, but broke a lot of Syracuse receiving records before, of course, the, you know, offensive infusion that Dino Babers put into the program. But that 2012 Syracuse football team, that offense was pretty darn good. And they didn't really figure out who they were until late in training camp. Like, they thought they had a sense of what they were, and then they started running what they called the NASCAR offense, and they discovered when they went to Fort Drum that when they are in this set and they are moving at a faster pace – that they were at their best. So they basically said, no, that's the offense and had to adjust quickly. And the reason they could adjust that quickly and make it the offense is because you had a veteran quarterback. You had coaches that have been around for a few years. You had the trust in the personnel that you could do that. If you had a younger team trying to figure themselves out, you couldn't do that. So this defense is a mix of experience and new players, but The names aren't quite what they were last year in terms of recognition, but you have seniors and juniors that are dotting the linebacker position. You have an Antoine Cordy who hopefully will stay healthy. Listed at the nickel position. Now, this is a notable change in the depth chart when you look at it this way. There's only two listed linebacker positions. The weak side and the middle, and then there's this nickel position, meaning that Syracuse, as Stephen Bailey will explain to us a little bit more in depth later in the show, but writes here on Syracuse.com. More significant, though, is the format in which SU's defensive players are arranged. Rather than a traditional 4 4 down linemen, three linebackers, four defensive backs, defensive coordinator Brian Ward has used... This one featuring a quote four two five or nickel lineup. Now, if you go back to spring football for the twelve of you that were paying attention during spring football, they used it a lot. Spring football is a good time to put stuff out there, see if it works, and see if it sticks to the wall. And as Stephen writes here, the five defensive back approach aligns with talk of tighter coverage in the secondary and may help prepare Syracuse for spread-heavy opponents. But defending the run with two green linebackers will be tougher. So you hedge your bets. Who's running the spread? What kind of quarterbacks do we have opponent-wise in the ACC and non-conference opponents? What is best for our personnel? And let's go from here. Frankly, this is a defense that could use a shakeup and could use a change and could use a format that is best applied to them because the average score of the last few games last season, and let's be fair, there were some injuries on that defense too, and your starting quarterback was gone, which – Puts more pressure on the defense, too. There's already a lot of pressure on the Syracuse defense because they're on the field a ton. Now, the numbers don't line up to that. Syracuse actually ranked in the bottom 40 of snaps taken. But the theory is when you have such a high-paced offense, if it doesn't convert the defense is back on the field sooner, right? That's what it feels like. We were talking about this with Julian Wiggum the other day about you know, the defense has to go at this high octane pace. The offense does. Do you face enough opponents throughout the year that they will be prepared for that? Or should they be prepared for seeing different things that will come along? You try your best to do that. Bottom line is the defense had to shake something up. When you're outscored in those final three games by an average score of 54 to 22, when you have nosedived the last two years. When it is the defense that, look, if you really want to get to the heart of it, what has caused Syracuse football to not get to that magic six-win plateau last year or the year before, it was the nosedive the defense took. And again, to be fair, younger players, new scheme, new coach, at least in year one, and there was a significant number of injuries. Antoine Cordy went out at the beginning of the year, but as the season went, you lost some key contributors, which puts more pressure on the Zaire Franklins of the world and the Paris Bennets of the world, and the guys you count on to make even more plays. So it it's like one number change, right, four three to a four two five, but it's a philosophy change. It is putting more emphasis on stopping the pass, but as Stephen mentioned, puts more pressure on two linebackers who will you know are green in a sense of the playing time that they did not get because you had such productive linebackers ahead of them. But you had your bets. Is it better for us to guard the pass or guard the run? Now, Syracuse is going to play one of the best running backs in the country this year when they face Boston College, but that's not to the last game of the year and you can always move your defense around. It's a base. We've spent so much time talking about the Tampa 2 when in reality is Syracuse moves things around a lot in that defense and they can adjust to sets and, you know, you're flexible there. You're not just stuck in the Tampa 2, but – that's your base philosophy. So right out of the gate here, ACC Media Day, and this will certainly be discussed at Syracuse Football Media Day, which I will not be here for. I'll be on vacation, but we'll discuss when we come back. Is All right, defense is switching things up a little bit, and that's good news. Other notable things in the media guide will be discussed later in the program and the depth chart with Stephen Bailey as ACC Media Days get underway. And Oh, boy, Larry Fedora. My man, what are you doing? What are you doing? There's nothing wrong with defending your sport and defending what you feel are unfair criticisms of your sport, but Larry Fedora had the hyperbole machine cranked up. And I guess that's what you do on media days, is you crank up hyperbole. This is going to be the best season we've had in years. We've got a real chance to compete for the ACC title. Like Coaches say things on media days, It's the best time to get them to really speak on a big-picture angle because usually coaches are about, what, next game, one game at a time. We don't talk. We don't look ahead. This is really one of the great times to get them to philosophize, to look broader, to look bigger. Larry Fedora, though, somebody put a hook in that guy's mouth and reel him back because we're losing him. Whoa. We'll tell you what he said. Play back some of those clips later in the show. When we come back, though, we're going to change gears. We're going to talk Yankees. We're going to talk Mets. We're going to talk New York sports with Mr. New York. Look out, Francesa, because JJ's coming for you, baby. Our buddy John Jastremski is going to join us next. You're on the block, ESPN Radio. Here's from now. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Welcome back. On the block. Hey, thanks to JJ for joining us on the pick and pull of Auburn Auto Parts and Recycling Center Hotline. We will go back to said hotline in about 20 minutes with Stephen Bailey, Syracuse.com. Get a little Syracuse football discussion going. Can't put all into depth charts, but depth charts mean, hey, season's coming and uh, a significant philosophy change on defense. And what are some of the other moves that uh, we'll have to keep an eye on with training camp just around the corner? We'll discuss all that with the one and only Stephen Bailey coming up. We're going to do some hot takes right now, including uh, something Larry Fedora said today at ACC Media Day. What? We've got a hot one for you. Oh, you're hot. Why, thank you, so are you. And I'm not afraid to cry. So hot. So hot. And hot. Yes!
1: <laughs> Man, it's hot. How hot is it? It's so hot, I poured McDonald's coffee in my lap to cool off. <laughs> it's time for Hot Takes on the Block.
0: Alright, I'm just, I'm, I'm going to play this for you, and I always will tell you this. Now, media days as you're going to see ACC, Big 12, SEC, all the Power 5 conferences, and even some of the non-Power 5 conferences. This is that time of the year. They meet in some usually southern city that's warm and they have a, a golf and a big luncheon, and the coaches get put in front of these podiums, and, you know, the media just loves it because they collect sound bites and all sorts of material that they can use over the next couple of months before the season starts, right? So what you see is this flurry of sound bites coming out, and sometimes context is lost. Well, who asked the question? How did they ask the question? Was it at a one-on-one interview? Was it at a press conference? So as I always tell you when we play sound bites, just, you know, No, there are resources for you to see what was asked before it and after it. But we live in a soundbite society and these things grab you. And it's always better when we have audio of this stuff. It's one thing to read something and comprehend it. It's quite another to hear it and and best case scenario, see it. Because we are in a visual society today. We need to see things and hear things for them to really sink into us. And the best example of that in recent memories, Ray Rice. When you read about what Ray Rice did, well, that's bad. And everybody said, "Whoa well he's he's I'm going to suspend him, right?" And the NFL suspends him for a couple of games, and everybody just kind of moved on. Then we got the tape, and then we saw what happened, and Ray Rice hasn't played football since. so seeing things in print and actually hearing them and seeing them are two different things. That being said,
1: here's what Larry Fedora said at ACC Media Day. I fear that the game will get will get pushed." so far to one extreme that you won't recognize the game. That's what I worry about. And I do believe that if if it gets to that point, that, that our country goes down too. What? How do we go from football
0: changing to our country going down as a result of this? Now let me play another clip that Larry Fedora said today at ACC Media Day. And let's remember we're in a world where a number of people want to tell you in a number of forums to separate sports from real life. Stick to sports. Yet football just has this ongoing marriage between their sport and the military. And the the best example of that, of course, is the national anthem debate and how NFL football players, one of which said today for the Tennessee Titans, whose name is escaping me at the moment, that he's going to continue to protest this year and will pay the fine as a result of it happily. So that's a whole different topic for a different day. But on one hand, we say separate sports and life, and on the other, we say, well, football and the military go hand in hand, as Larry Fedora said here today.
1: A few years back, I had an opportunity to ask a, a three-star general. You know, what I had a question for him. I said, what What, what does it make? What is it that makes our country, our, our military, superior to every every other military in the in the world? And he said he was like, that's easy. We're the only football-playing nation in the in the world. You know, and he said our most of all of our troops have grown up, have played the game at some point in their life, at some level, and the lessons that they learn from that game is what is what makes us who we are.
0: How is it different than rugby?
1: I, I don't know rugby, so I, I couldn't tell you that. I just know they don't wear a helmet. so. But I, I don't I, – <laughs> yeah. I, I, I apologize. I just don't know the game. That's an
0: interesting follow-up question there. How is that different than rugby? But I get the similarities between football and the military, the structure, the discipline, football coaches – Often look to military leaders to your leading men. There's a uh, there is a chain of command, right? And there's a number of of things that go hand in hand. Military observations and sports are inevitable. They're they're, they're always there. A three star general told him that, so I got to respect that opinion. But what is it about football that makes the entire military? And it's the percentage of people in the military that played football. Like I'd like to see some numbers. To back that up there, I just thought that was an interesting answer to that question because the military was the most proficient in the world long before football existed. But, okay, I'll take your word on it. Let me go back to that first clip, though, where he's tying what football is going to look like in 10 years to the downfall of this country. Football is important to this country. Football is the most popular sport in this country. It's still the highest-grossing sport in terms of revenue. It's still the highest-rated sport in terms of television, despite everybody screaming from the rooftops about ratings being down and football being down because of the anthem protest. And I'm just sitting here telling you the numbers are not down significant enough that it made enough of a dent to harm the sport long-term. But you you can keep believing that if you want to. That whole football's under attack thing. Now, look, I understand football people are passionate about what they do. They spend long hours doing what they do. It is their life. They have given everything they have to be in the position that they are in To be a head football coach. I get that sacrifice. But why is it you feel your sport is under attack? Because we're learning more and more about it. That years and years of... And I love football. This is coming from somebody who's a big football fan. Continues to watch football. Knows its place in the world. But I'm not going to shut out reality. And the reality is science has taught us what consistent violent collisions due to the human body. We know more about concussions and injuries and what football does to the human body more than ever. And we're still learning that. And that information is being distributed as opposed to swept under rugs as it was for years. That doesn't mean your sport is under attack. Now, are there some people out there that are being, overly critical of football in an uneducated manner? Well, of course. But you know who does not fit that category? Go stare a mom in the face who doesn't want their son to play football out of safety concerns and tell them that they're putting the sport under attack. Because that is something more and more parents of more and more generations, not only from people that didn't play the sport, but those that coached and played in the sport are starting to say, I do not want my son to play football. I enjoy the sport, but not my son. So I get why a coach would be defensive, but it is not putting your sport under the attack to put information out there to say, now, I just did, and the video is out today, as a matter of fact, I spent some time with the Syracuse Strong semi-pro football team recently. These guys play for free. They show up voluntarily, I think they have to pay a fee to to be in the league, but you know what I'm saying, they show up and play for free. And I asked the players that I talked to, this didn't make the video, but it's something that I brought up with the players. I'm like, well, we know more about safety concerns, and you're out here doing this because you love the game. You're not getting paid for this. And to a man, every answer I got was, well, I know the risks. I love this game this much, and I come out here knowing the risks I'm taking. These are semi-pro football players. Don't get paid a dime to do it. There is something admirable about that. There is something that I respected immensely in talking to men that choose to do that. And these are guys, one guy's running on the field. I told the story before, but it, you know it, it bears repeating. I'm standing there on the sideline watching these guys practice. Guy runs on the field. He's got a sticker on his shirt. And somebody brings to my attention you know what that sticker is? And I said, no, what What was it? He come from the hospital because his wife had a baby that day. I'm sorry, you can't help but respect there are so many stories out there like that that they love and, and, and respect the game that much that they'll show up and put themselves at risk week in and week out for free because they love football. That's the part of me that respects what they do, respects the risks that they take. I enjoy the strategy of the game, and I'm just a big football fan. But I'm also somebody who lives in the real world and knows what the science is telling us, knows what research is telling us, and we can't hide that stuff as it was hidden for so long. For so long, the NFL tried to poo-poo this stuff. They spent money. They lobbied. They Owners tried to tell these guys, now you're fine, right? And the machismo thing takes over. There's a story today. Thurman Thomas basically played his entire career with a partially torn ACL, which is an incredible thing to think about because that guy made the Hall of Fame on a partially torn ACL. What if he had a, a healthy ACL? He could be, you know, the Jerry Rice of, of running backs. But we're now in an era where, you know what, it's okay if you're, you know, if they— Ask you how many fingers you're holding up, and it's four, and you say two, that you stay off the field. It's okay for you to report, like, this doesn't feel right. And instead of playing through this, I'm going to let it heal before I go back out there, put my body at risk, because you know what? When I'm 50 years old, I want to be able to walk. DeMarco Murray, the other day, retired at the age of 30. Now, he didn't, from what I saw, didn't emphasize the health risks of it, but how does that not come up? Players are leaving football earlier. They, they're they seeing the risks there, but they're still choosing to say, all right, well, I'm going to swim in, in those waters. I'm going to swim in those choppy waters for whatever it is, four, five, six years, see how much money I can make, play this game that I love, and then get out earlier, as opposed to hanging on every last threat and every last opportunity that comes their way, and let's just rack up the concussions. So for Larry Fedora to say that, I don't want to be overly critical of it because I get it and I get the passion and I get the dedication and I get what it takes to be successful at sport. But to say your sport is under attack because we know more about it, because we know more about the risks people take by playing it and how violent it is and what it does to the human body, I, I just... I can't go with that. I can't agree with that, and I'm trying to be respectful of that. But that to me is ridiculous, and I know I've ranted on this a long time. It basically took up the whole hot take segment on this. I was going to get to some other things here, but I don't know. That, that bothers me. That bothers me to see that, and I understand where he's coming from, but we got to find a middle ground in that discussion. By the way, at ACC Media Day, Andrea Adelson, David Hale, ACC preseason power rankings, Syracuse 13th. Out of 14 teams, only Virginia picked to finish below the orange. We will get into that more coming up, though, with Stephen Bailey. We'll talk football, not about the risks of the sport, but uh, where Syracuse is going, the depth chart put out today, some things changed on defense philosophically, and and a number of of SU football issues that we'll get into here. So stay right there. We'll come back after this on the block, ESPN Radio.
1: Thank you. Bye-bye.